There it is. Hello, this is All Mike Lanier right. from the CarshowNationals.com Let's Roll podcast. I'm getting a little better at that. This is Jeff Thisted, my co-host. Hey, guys. From the Hot Rod Power Tour, wearing a Nosh shirt. That's a little different. Oh, yeah. Wearing, it's it's yeah. throttle in a bottle, baby. Oh, Boss Hog. I'm wearing He's Boss Hog, man. Yeah, right. I, wear, I wear the Boss Hog. He switches to Nos today. So, And we got Cord Newman here, who's a actor, stuntman. All traveling all over the world, apparently. And recently <laughs> married, from what we understand. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Definitely. We uh, we went on our very first date in 30 years, and uh, we've known each other since high school. We went on our very first date and uh, fell And the very first date was when? Saturday. So six days ago is your very first date. <laughs> yeah. And then we decided to drive to Vegas and get married. So Sunday we got married in front of Elvis. <laughs> After some magical barbecue pizza, you, you drive to Vegas <laughs> and get married. Yeah. yeah magical. Exactly. I, I, uh, I, I didn't tell her there's a lot of mushrooms in those pizzas. Uh-huh, but, there uh, you go. Okay. <laughs> well, congratulations. No, Thank you very much. Yeah, we were of sober, you know, and sound mind and body i mean i've had 17 concussions so i'm not really sure how sound the mind is but <laughs> mostly sound <laughs> 17 well, concussions so you're a stuntman actor how did you get into the business the uh, industry I, oh i played football in college and did fairly well and then uh, my parents were moving to florida so um i had gone through a whole bunch of craziness and they decided that it was a good idea for me to go with them to Florida and I just turned 20. So we went down there and I was standing in line at a uh, at a little theater deal because I met this girl on the beach. My sister was a beach volleyball player and uh, I'd taken this girl literally first and only date. And there was a lady standing in front of us and she asked if I'd ever thought about modeling and I pointed at my face and laughed. And she right. pointed at my face and said, <laughs> no, no, not that. <laughs> she was talking about the fact that I had an eight pack. So she, she didn't, wasn't interested in my face either. She wanted the stomach. So I did a Sears catalog and then um, I didn't like it because it was pretty wild uh, with how they were with the uh, adjusting of things, and I'm not a prude, but it definitely was uncomfortable to stay as polite as possible on that statement. And uh, so I left there and they asked if I wanted to be an extra in a movie, and that was something about Mary. I got speaking lines and uh, your phone. <laughs> oh, got I, got, I got speaking lines and I got uh, all that stuff and something about Mary, I said me too. And that was well, five hours. Hang on one second. For the for the viewers at home, you make it sound like it's easy and this is an yeah. everyday occurrence. So you got an extra an, an extra role, which means your background, you don't say anything, no. they yell at you, uh, you have to keep away from everybody else and you're very segregated. I'm ser- I'm yeah. just being honest. How did yeah, you make it, how did that transition happen from being a, a, a lowly extra to, to having <laughs> speaking lines, getting in the union? Because um, again, if you speak, you have to tap Hartley. You get into Screen yep. Actors Guild. Um, how did that happen? Well, um, I was sitting there that morning, made friends with a guy named Topher Hopkins. I've never seen him since. He was a PA on that movie. I don't even know exactly why I remember his name so well, but um, he was sitting next to me. We were buddies, like instantly, just talking a bunch of trash as usual, and 
um, he got called to go wrangle some people. And as he got up to walk away, I was like, hey, dude, make me a star today. And he turned around. And he goes, you know it. And then a couple hours later, he comes back. and He's like, dude, you got to run to that tree. Run to that tree over there. I'm like, hell with you, man. You run to that tree over there. And he goes, no, no, seriously. If you're the first one there, Peter and Bobby Farley are looking for somebody with like a real 70s look or 80s look. And you've got it. If you're the first one there, then you'll have the speaking lines. So I got up and hauled butt over to the tree. And there was Ben Stiller sitting down um, uh, on the ground already. And all the other guys were already in position. And Peter and Bobby were on a, on a camera that was sitting on a dolly track. And they asked me to sit down and lean in. And they said, are you comfortable saying dialogue? I said, sure. Um, in college, so you, just, you walked over and they said, yeah. And he just looked at you and said, hey, sit down over there. <laughs> yeah. This is a Hollywood story, okay? Wow. Yeah, I've had a very Forrest Gump life. It's I, I've Everything I've done has been one blessing after another. So I, it's um, I've had a lot of tough stuff. I don't mean that, but uh, I think everything's been a really incredible lesson. So um, with this situation, I just sit down under the tree, and they're like, are you comfortable doing dialogue? I said, yeah. And he goes, okay. So he goes, here. Uh, lean in a little bit. I said, okay. He goes, uh, now when they get through all their stuff, the guy's going to say, I'm in. Another guy's going to say, rock on. And then you say, me too. And, I, and he goes, we're going to cut away at that point. And I was like, okay. So we did it. He's like, great. All right, let's do it one more time. We did it one more time. He's like, okay, perfect. That was it. We were done. <laughs> so, <laughs> I didn't know what the heck had happened. and uh, But it definitely changed my life. So a lot oh, of- 100%. Lot of that's amazing. Yeah, it was pretty wild. And then I later, actually, as if that day couldn't get more bizarre, um, later I was standing in the lunch line, and the lady that was standing behind me was the same lady that had been riding her bike in the scene before. And I didn't know who she was. I just thought she was a nice person, and, and uh, she was being very kind. And we were talking in the line, and I said, oh, man, I really don't like this food. And I don't really eat much seafood. I do now. I eat more seafood now. But I didn't used to eat any seafood and there was a bunch of crab legs and that's what I was referencing was the crab, crab legs. legs on the set. Come I know, on. I know. I know, I know. <laughs> and my whole family pretty much disowns me when I say that, but it's, I never have been a fan or at least I wasn't. And uh, so I make that statement and then the girl that's standing there, she goes, Hey, why don't you just come hang out? I'll order whatever the heck you want. And I was like, okay, cool. So that was Cameron Diaz, and I spent the next four days having lunch with her in her trailer, and she would order crab legs because she thought I had pointed out the other stuff on the table. <laughs> so I would sit there very politely and eat all my crab legs <laughs> because oh, I didn't want to tell her that I didn't like them. <laughs> oh, man. But I, I was raised to be polite, and I didn't want to be rude. So I was trying to be polite and eat all the crab legs. <laughs> wow. And it was Cameron Diaz. But, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Wow. Man. But it was quite cool. And, what, a, and then, what a start. What a start for so From like, an extra everything. to a speaking role to hanging out in Cameron Diaz's trailer eating crab legs. In, uh, in one day. <laughs> in one day. <laughs> so that was your first. Did you did you get an agent after that, or how did you uh, did you continue doing extra stuff after that? Well, or how did what, I, how did you transition into stunts? Well, I, I did 
the the lady that had seen me in the line a uh, month before, or three weeks before that, when I went to do the Sears catalog, she had said she was my agent, but I didn't understand what the heck all that meant. And I definitely didn't understand the difference between a SAG signatory or not. And so basically she was taking way too much money to do absolutely nothing. I Ooh. had no idea. And um, yeah, she was taking like 25% or whatever. And um, yeah, but she got me on a few little gigs and she was pretty cool about everything. She sounded kind of like uh, the agent that's on Friends, the one that was Joey's agent. Ah. She that real heavy, smart. She's like, hey, honey, I got you a part if you want to drive down to Miami and do this little thing. And, <laughs> and, so I would drive down to Miami and do these auditions and stuff. And I wound up getting a SAG commercial. And then I got another SAG commercial that was a national. And then I got on uh, a film called Out of Sight with uh, George Clooney and, and Jennifer Lopez. And um, I was never heard of those guys. Have you? Well, yeah. Never yeah. heard of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, and then I, I wound up making friends with Dennis Frino. Dennis was on that show and uh, really super, super great guy. He, um, he had been a Chicago cop or a New York cop. I might screw that up. I think it's Chicago for a really long time. And then he was basically working a detail on a show and a guy didn't show up and the director liked his look. So they had him instead of watching the, perimeter they were like here come here and do some dialogue and they thought he was good and Dennis Frino's career took off and then he went and did a movie called Get Shorty but mm -hmm. um, we we became buddies on that show and then he helped me with a lot of stuff and basically told me that my agent was a hack <laughs> and was terrible <laughs> and, uh, wow. and then uh, oh wait Dennis Farina he he was on a TV show way before Get Shorty oh yeah yeah he, he actually had a pretty decent career before that but Get Shorty was the thing that kind of was his breakout film role. Where Interesting. He, you know, okay, because his had a real his, he's got that total fifties look, and just his yes. uh, what, what not accent, but the way he talks is just I. Yeah, he's fantastic. <laughs> he he is yeah that that guy was he was a heck of a dude. He passed away a few years back, but he's a heck of a heck of a guy. But um, he really did you know. We weren't super close, but he definitely, I had his number. I told him everything that was going on, and he was really nice about uh, guiding me through on things. And then I got on a show uh, with Jake Busey and Carla Giancomo called Karen Cisco. It was actually a spinoff of Out of Sight. And it was, Carla was playing the character that Jennifer Lopez had played, and I played a cop opposite of Jake Busey who would back up Karen whenever she had something going on. I, I don't even think we did a whole season. I think we had like eight episodes or something or seven mm -hmm. episodes. But um, on that show, I met a stunt coordinator named Artie Maleshi, and he asked me to kick a door in and, uh, and when Jake and I rushed a room. And so I kicked the door in and I, I, I I was expecting it to be more realistic. I had grown up um, doing, you know, fighting Muay Thai, and then I, I moved 36 times before I was out of high school, so it was a somewhat aggressive situation because I was never really in great neighborhoods, and I was a skinny little white boy named Cord with red hair. So it was, you know, I chased down the asthmatic kid. It's always more entertaining, but. Um, I learned until to, they find yeah, out he knows Muay Thai and uh, yeah, and, and my mm -hmm. dad was an old Marine that was a uh, just oh. incredible guy and and he's dad's just 
literally my dad's my hero. So everything I grew up doing was, I was under his foot from a very young age. I mean, he welded training wheels on a dirt bike when I was a year and a half old on a little 50cc <laughs> Indian. And I was out there basically shoeless in my little, I think I was in a diaper, maybe not, I don't know. Uh, but I was a year and a half old and he tied a rope to the back of the little 50cc Indian thinking that he'd be able to hold on to it because he's a big 6'2", 240 pound Marine, right? Well, I guess I hammered it and uh, he was taking these huge long strides and was about to get drug onto his face. So he just let it go and figured he's got it. And uh, I started riding a dirt bike, you know, at, at a year and a half old. And a couple of weeks later, he cut the training wheels off. And then uh, I was racing. I was racing my first uh, roundy round cars. Um, my dad had a longtime friend that they had built a custom car shop together, and my dad had taught him how to build cars uh, years before, named David Michaels. And David would let me drive his uh, race cars. So I had my first Monte Carlo in a limited late model uh, when I was twelve. And uh, I had to go get approval from all the old guys to be allowed to be on the track because, you know, I was 12 years old. You didn't have a driver's uh, license in your racing cars. Come on. Yeah. 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 And, it, you know, but I grew up doing nothing but driving and, and riding bikes. So I didn't know anything else. And, um, you know, I, we moved a ton. So my family was super close, but we didn't have a lot of friends. Or And then did you out. move because, because your pop was in the Marines? Was it a military thing? No. No, actually, the a little family secret. My brother, um, not the fact that my brother's from a different mom. My dad was married to a lady before uh, my mom for like a year. And that was where my brother came from. But his mom was like a raging lunatic. So she would threaten my sister and I uh, and threaten to kill us. And whenever she would figure out where we live, we'd move. Wow. So wow. that was a pretty consistent thing. Like sometimes it would be three or four times in a year. And she worked for the Highway Patrol in California. So uh, no matter what we said, you know, she was always right. And uh, so it, it really was horrible. Tough. Yeah, it was tough. It was crazy. But it, but it was great because it made our family really super tight. And, you know, my sister is literally my best friend. My dad and mom are my dearest friends. And I have a incredibly interesting <laughs> and blessed childhood. And I got to see the world from a very different angle. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I didn't have a comfort zone of friends I grew up with or whatever else. So that's one of the reasons why when, when Catherine uh, magically, amazingly appeared back in my life, um, we both realized, you know, that she had told my sister when they were little, because my sister and her were real close friends. And uh, she had told my sister how much she had this huge crush on me and, tell her you know to tell me to ask her out and all that other stuff and basically quite frankly i just thought she was <laughs> way prettier than i could get so i never had the guts to ask her out out of your <laughs> league isn't that funny you know what this is like it's like braveheart when his oh. dad gets killed very young and then the little girl walks over and gives him the flower and then he comes back 30 years later you're braveheart <laughs> uh, that's hilarious that's a really cool analogy because i will tell you Yes, she is, was, and always will be out of my wings. That was pretty Aww. cool. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah. Really cool. But, so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, well. As a stuntman, you've done, um, well, obviously this is car-related podcast, so we, <laughs> we know you've been 
dealing in cars. So tell us some of the movies that you've been in as a stuntman. Okay, I've done. I, I did uh, Bad Boys Two, uh, Too Fast, Too Furious. Uh, did a couple of other fast movies uh, throughout the years. Uh, did Dukes of Hazard. Um, did a bunch of uh, driving with those guys on that, and did uh, let's see, uh, Transporter Two um, was on Crank for a little bit. Um, bunch of TV shows. Uh, I, I was David Crusoe's double on CSI Miami from pretty much beginning to end on that show. And then uh, he had a guy that would double him sometimes when he was in LA, but when he was in Florida or anywhere in the South, then I was David's double. And um, that's somebody that's a little bit difficult to work with, but you know, he, he's uh I just always played it off to he was a really strong method actor, and I leave it at that. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, so I, but, uh, let, let me go back a little bit, or let's go. You you were kicking in doors, go from mm -hmm. kicking in doors yeah. to uh, doing stunt driving well, on Hollywood features. <laughs> How'd yeah, you make that leap? Well, uh, so I kicked that door in, and and I, you know, I at the time I was still working out pretty heavily, so. They they hadn't really scored the door very hard, other than just the area where the latch was at. So when I kicked it, it came out of the actual entire door frame and went all the way through and hit the camera and damaged the camera. And I didn't know any better, so I still just charged it anyway, went right over the top of the camera. I was told to come in, hit the guy who was the stunt guy, pick the you know, fireman carry him like we do in football so hit him and take him down and, and drive him into the wall so that is what i did and i did it over the top of the camera well i had already broke the camera from hitting it with the door so Artie had to basically pretend like he was mad at me for a second i think as what he or maybe he was really mad at me i really don't know but um he yelled at me for a second for kicking the door so hard and then later he was like dude what do you do? So I told him about the martial arts background. And and then I told him about uh, what we did. My dad and I owned a custom car shop in Fort Lauderdale. And he's like, well, I've got a Jeep that I would love to have you paint. And I was like, yeah, all right, bring it up. So I did an 11 color pearl flame job on his Jeep. And um, and then I, you know, I shaved all the lights, uh, all the marker lights and stuff on it. And it was one of the 89 Jeep Wrangler Renegades. So it had the little wide body kit on it, you know, that those had uh, really super cheesy wide body kit. Square headlights, but, right? Yep. Yeah. Square headlight okay. truck and, uh, or Jeep. I'll get in yeah. trouble from my friends if I call it a truck. But um, it's just like whenever I say I was on this show and I tell them and they're like, that's a film. Ah, eh, whatever. Jeep <laughs> truck it, show it, film. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. So um, we were doing stuff and things. So um, anyway, Artie had me paint this thing, and my dad and I made this color up. It was a little bit like a House of Color candy brandy wine, but dad always has this his own way of doing things. So he did it, and we do this little thing. Where, I think there's some other guys that do it, but I've not been around them. My dad's the only one I've ever seen do it. He mixes a little bit of a color uh in the clear coat and then he'll do a couple coats of clear in between layers and then the next time he does a clear coat um he might throw a different color that, and he'll just put a little bit in so it keeps it very transparent basically what it does is depending on the light and the coloring of the surrounding area 
it'll throw the colors in different directions. And it works in a more uniform way than Perl. So it's not, your, your eye basically goes, what the heck is going on? But your brain is really enjoying the moment. So <laughs> it's a pretty cool little trick. And uh, so dad was doing that and we did the 11 curl of Perl flame job. And Artie's a really amazing guy. He had me on a lot of shows, did a lot of stuff for me. and. Um, Help me out. And then I met a guy named Mike Curtin, who uh, Mike's got over 5,000 car jumps. He's absolutely batshit crazy and incredibly cool all at the same time. Um, the first time Mike came to see my shop, I had a uh, 96 Formula Firebird that we'd done some work to, and uh, I had a Vortex Supercharger and some other crap. And uh, he had to run down to the store to grab us waters. And dad and I were building this 56 Chevy. And uh, so Mike's like, can I take your car? I said, sure, take my, which I don't ever let anybody drive anything of mine ever, ever. But for whatever reason, I threw him the keys. He jumps in the car. And as he's tearing off out of there, I hear the car squealing because he doesn't know anything but full throttle or no throttle. And I hear the car squealing as it's leaving and he's cranked the radio as loud as it'll go. And I hear some country song playing, and he goes, country music and hot rods. I knew I loved this guy. And uh, I don't even know if I had country music on or if it was just a coincidence when he got in the car. I really don't know. I do like it, but I I, I don't know. And uh, so he was yelling and screaming something as he tore off out of there. My dad looked at me, and he's like, son, who is that? And I was like, oh, that's, that's Mike Curtin. He's done all kinds of movies and TV shows. He's got a world record for the highest stair fall. He did all the stair fall in that movie Beastmaster back in the late 70s, <laughs> early 80s. And nobody else wanted to do it because they were all in loincloths. And uh, he, he was in a loincloth going down a coral staircase. Ooh. And uh, he did like 120 or 130 stairs. I probably screwed that up and Mike will probably yell at me later, but he did a whole bunch of stairs in a loincloth, got up at the bottom, bleeding from everything that he had on his body. And they were like, okay, that was amazing. Are you okay? He said, yeah. And they were, he's like, Let let's do it, it again. again. <laughs> <laughs> so he loved it. He thought it was amazing. He's like, hell yeah. And he ran back to the top and did it a second time. So, you know, he's crazy as hell. But um, <laughs> he did a lot to really help me out. And he uh was the very first person to put his neck on the limb for me to make sure that i coordinated so he thought i was very self uh, or safety conscious and i was very uh self-aware so he thought that was important and we did a movie with uh danny treo donald logue jason muse uh, i'm trying to think of who else was in it but it was a movie that never really went anywhere and, and uh, the executive producer stole money and it was a big old mess, but we shot that in Utah and uh, Mike was supposed to be the coordinator, but he put my name on as a coordinator. And then we got Walking Tall 2 and 3 the following year with Kevin Sorbo and, um, and then uh, which uh, Jake Buckley or Jeff, uh, um, shoot. My brain just went blank. Jeff Buckley is on that. He's the guy that's one of the leads in the TV show Seals. And he was a lot skinnier back then, but he played the main bad guy. And uh, I played a character on Walking Tall. But Mike, again, gave me the stunt coordinator credit for both of those uh, Walking Tall films. And then he introduced me to a guy that really went way out 
uh, on a limb for me named Glenn Wilder. And Glenn had done everything from doubled Elvis Presley and Steve McQueen and John Wayne. And he's the one that helped to teach Bruce Lee how to fight when Bruce did his first TV show. And everybody talks about Bruce going down the staircase way too fast and they couldn't see him moving. It was Glenn that taught him how to slow it down and um, how to, you know, wind it back. And Elvis had bought Glenn a house in Burbank, and I'm sorry, in uh, uh, Brentwood back in uh, when they got home from Hawaii and Elvis was really shy. So he used to jump the fence and he'd bring a couple of girls and some beers and he would set over at Glenn's house instead of in his own wow. house because many people were there. So uh, just, you know, crazy stories, but Glenn became very much like a, uh, I, my dad's dad, I didn't really know very well. And he passed away when I was 13 and my mom's dad, I never knew he died when my mom was 15. And uh, so I didn't really have a grandparent in the, you know, a grandfather figure at all. And um, so Glenn just definitely filled that role in every single stunt I did uh, pretty much until uh, Glenn passed away in 17. He was the phone call that I made and he would talk me through it or he would make sure that I knew what I was doing. And he just went way out on a limb to try to always help me and was one of the kindest most gentle, amazing, crazy, psycho, spectacular people <laughs> that you could ever meet who had literally the coolest Hollywood stories of anybody I've ever met. I bet. That's amazing. Who, who do you call now? Um, now, I, I have a couple of mentors that I work with. One of them is Mark DeLisandro. He was Stallone's double for 25 years. I've been friends with Mark since 98. We met really early in my career. And uh, I stay at his house a lot when I'm out here in Dallas or I'll stay uh, or he'll stay at ours in Florida or, or, or Dubai or wherever the heck he comes to travel to visit. But um, yeah, he's definitely one of the biggest ones. And then um, um, I, I've worked with a guy named Phil Tan. Phil was the guy that was the fight choreographer on um, the original Batman with Michael Keaton. And then he was the fight choreographer for Tomb Raider uh, with Angelina Jolie. And then he was the fight choreographer for Willow, taught Val Kilmer how to sword fight. Um, I think it's funny you say the original. The original Batman is Adam West, my friend. Oh, well, geez. yes, that's very true. Very, very true. <laughs> don't say, oh, don't OGs me, Mike. It's, it's Adam West. Yeah, yes, yeah. And Batgirl? That's very true. Adam West was the original man, but yeah. uh, the original the original for film would have been um, Michael Keaton, Michael I guess. Yeah. 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 And, Jack Nicholson uh, is the Joker, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. You know that he did one hell of a backside deal on that? Oh, yeah. He, He's the one he, who started the back end. He, he made a billion right. dollars. He got oh, 1% where he got, he got a piece of the, the uh, merchandising. Genius, right? Yeah. He's absolutely wow. genius. And Made now, a billionaire. You know, the, the guy who really kind of followed that up and brought it into modern time is Jonah Hill. Oh, Jonah interesting. Hill, uh, yeah, he, he, if he will not be on a show, if his name is not on it as a producer. And that means he gets Because I know uh, in American Graffiti, um, yep. George Lucas was kind enough to give the principals one-tenth of one percent each. And it's, I mean, they're, yeah, they're done. They're cashed it's, in. Yeah, it's American Graffiti. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, I so, have a few people like that that I look to for uh, what I do. And then I have a very, very close friend in my financial world that I talk to a lot. And uh, she's 
one of my best friends in the whole world. Her name is Ariane Dart, and she's, uh, you know, Solo Cup, Red Solo Cup. Um, she owns it. So, and then, you know, Dart shipping and all that. She's got a, a couple of Paganis and a couple of McLarens, a couple of Ferraris. And, yeah, all uh, from we, those little red sippy cups. And I, I wow. learned a few years ago that the lines on the sippy cups, like the bottom line is an ounce. And one of the other lines is 12 ounces for a beer. And I, I had no idea. I thought they were just for decoration. But no, they're right. actually there for a purpose. I wow. thought they were for just a better grip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. But yeah, I, I learned that recently, too. That it's actually there for a purpose. It's pretty cool. But yeah, right. um, yeah she's a very dear friend. And then my friend Reza Dari, um, he's the owner of, uh, well, was. Uh, we're doing a transition from Global Investment Bank. Um, into a private capital fi uh, and financial institution here in Dallas. So we're moving all of our stuff from Dubai and moving it into the the Dallas, Frisco, Plano area. All right, Dallas, this is the Metro second place. time you've mentioned Dubai. What What's the, yeah, du yeah, the Dubai what's... connection? <laughs> um, well, I met uh, years ago, my, my second, well, I've been married now three times, but I was married twice. And my second wife, I had met when I was in Thailand on a film. She was a British girl, and uh, she was born and raised in Dubai. And she tried living in the U.S., didn't like it very much, so she moved back to Dubai. I went and moved to Dubai also, and um, it was actually a really big blessing in disguise. The marriage was a disaster. We were together for eight years, but it, her mom definitely didn't uh, approve because they were very, very wealthy, and I was uh, – bloody American. <laughs> right. and, uh, so, you know, and I had two kids from my first marriage. A red-haired football player stuntman. Yeah. American. It was all bad. It was all, all bad. <laughs> Everything was horrible. And, uh, and, and they definitely never took the time to be nice enough to get to know anybody. So they made their decisions very quickly and stuck with them. Uh, but I moved to Dubai to try to make that work and to try to, you know, appease her family and stuff. And uh, I wound up be building a couple trucks for the Lebo Drag Races, which is the Sandhill Races. And um, I wound up winning my categories. And uh, so when they were doing the interview, they were asking, you know, what the heck, who's this white guy from America that came over here and is helping to uh, kind of kick butt in the uh, traditional Arab race? And uh, when they found out that I'd been doing movies for 18 years and all this other stuff at that point, then they thought that was really cool. And the minute you mention anything Fast and the Furious related, it doesn't matter what your significance was. They thought that was just the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and uh, then I was I was working for this little shop with a guy named Robbie. And we kind of put that shop on the map because when I first started working there, there was trash all over the floors and it was a very, very dingy shop but all my businesses my dad always kept everything very clean and so all of our custom car places were very very nice and uh, so i basically took that shop and we threw everything out we had started out with 33 guys i fired a bunch of them and, and got down to 17 because it's all we needed for the square footage um and then we had six lifts a paint booth um and I painted all the floors light gray, painted all the walls white, um, put mirrors in different places to make the place seem bigger. I mean, it was 7,000 square feet, but 
it had a weird little loft walk around that kind of made it feel claustrophobically dark. So we put mirrors in places and then um, I, we, we had SEMA coming over with Linda Spencer and them and uh, we were able to get SEMA to come have our shop as a stop. And we wound up meeting a bunch of people there. And one of the people that I met was this very amazing person named Sultan Alshanti. Uh, and he wound up, I didn't remember meeting him then, but he was kind of in that group. His brother is the head of immigration for the UAE. And oh, wow. uh, a couple of days later, he brought in this little 70 Chevy pickup short bed that somebody had done an LS with a supercharger and they had used a standard fuel line, like carburetor fuel line, which obviously couldn't handle the pressure of an LS that's supercharged uh, or an LS at all anyway. So it kept splitting the fuel lines and they couldn't figure out why it wouldn't run. In 15 minutes, I swapped out the stupid fuel lines for fuel injection line. And I called him and I said, hey, you dropped this truck off. Uh, thank you for coming by. And he's like, oh, I met you at the SEMA thing, whatever. And uh, I said, well, the truck's done. And he said, well, that's not possible. How did you do that? And I said, it's just the two back fuel lines where they come up from the hard line. I swapped them out with some fuel line. And that's it. So he thought that was neat and asked if I wanted to move on to another uh, – to a bigger shop that I owned. And uh, I said, absolutely. And so he introduced me to a guy named Bender Bin Laden and uh, his uncle is Osama Bin Laden. And uh, that guy what became our financier and became a very dear friend. And uh, we built a very large custom car shop there and we kind of became the stop. And we built a lot of Ferraris and a lot of really wild vehicles and tons of Jeeps wow. and chopping tops on trucks and all kinds of stuff that isn't real typical over there. And, you had a custom uh, shop in Dubai. How long were you there? Five years almost. I was there wow. four years and like seven months. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. And what, I, I was it a culture a shock? I mean, is I there? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, what's what's really wild is everything's in English over there. You know, oh, it is. It's a very very it's a very Western culture. Uh, it's very Western cultured is actually how I should word that. Um, Dubai is the most Western uh, of the GCC region, and um, that helped me to make that transition. But like you know, I was a little bit ignorant of the culture when I went over because I knew what I had watched on TV and the news, and everything was bad and all my friends are military dudes who I love and respect with all my heart. And um, they would tell me about the great stuff, but then they also saw a ton of ugly also. So when I said I was going over, my mom cried, thought I was going to have my head cut off. <laughs> and, um, right. I, I got over there and um, it was probably the most peaceful, spectacular, amazing place I've ever been in my whole life. You can leave your car running for two hours while you're inside having lunch because it's ungodly hot in the summertime and uh, nobody would ever do it. They would take it. I mean, uh, there were stories of if your car ran out of fuel, somebody would come by and fill it up. And, uh, wow. you know, I didn't have that happen, but I definitely heard the story a bunch of times. So apparently it has. And, um, you know, everybody was just always so nice. And it's such a crazy 
a concentrated melting pot of so many different cultures. And, um, you know, you have 700,000 Arabs there, and then you have 3.6 million expats. So the, the, the Emiratis are heavily outnumbered. So they have certain rules and laws that definitely make you feel like, you know, there's a culture shock there, but you understand it because they're so overpowered in their own country. Mm. And, um, you know, and the, the whole environment, though, is spectacular. I miss it all the time. I love going back. I love What do you miss camping. most about it? Camping, 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 camping. Every camping in Dubai. Is... Don't you burst into flames? No. <laughs> well, you don't go camping after uh, probably mid-March, early April, and then uh, then you can start going camping again, usually late September, early October. And uh, it's and where it's do you camp? Special. I think it's just a big sand dune. <laughs> well, I, I'm an, I'm the I'm the idiot American. I, I don't know. No, no. It's it, it, <laughs> honestly, I would have I would have never understood it either. There's a couple different things. You can go to the wadis, which the wadis are these big rock formations with uh, fresh water that flows out in them, and the water is crystal clear, clean, amazing water. Some places can be these little tiny cracks, and you'll shimmy way down, like anywhere between 20 and 60 feet down, to get down to the water, and then it'll open up in these big caverns, and you can swim. It's incredible. So you take your four-wheel drive, and you drive all the way out in all these crazy canyons and dune bashing and whatever else, and then you get to the wadi, and you throw your tent up, and you go swimming, and it's incredible. You can't, you know, you have a little barbecue grill you can get for 20 dirhams, which is, I think, like four bucks. <laughs> and uh, you cook a little fire, you get a little fire going and you have some tea and some shish kebab and uh, some shawarma and hang out. It's basically shawarma is a chicken burrito or a beef burrito. It's basically what it is. And uh, it's delicious. It <laughs> uh, sounds awesome. Now I've got a silly question. You, you said you're going dune bashing out here. I'm concerned. I've got a big, massive radiator system in my car, so it won't overheat. And we get up to, yeah. what, 111 in Vegas, 116, something like that, maybe 120. But in Dubai, it's like 480 degrees, isn't it? How do you, what do you I do to keep the cooling system? 85. Yeah. 85, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we, we actually ran a lot of different cooling systems, and um, a lot of the auto manufacturers in the last 10 years have been really good about uh, having a GCC package on the car. Basically, it would look like what we would do for a tow package on a truck. It's got a tranny cooler, oil cooler, power steering cooler, and uh, and then an oversized radiator. And then if that doesn't work, which sometimes if you're too aggressive in how you drive it and you're playing in high RPMs, then it, you need a little extra help. But, you know, I always – I'm going to sound like an advertisement here, but quite frankly, it's the only guys I ever use because every other system I use never worked or I would have problems or I'd have a tank blowout. But I used all the Be Cool radiators. And okay. those guys, those guys, I mean, I had a 2,600 horsepower sand rail that was a twin turbocharged uh, LS7. And we built that thing uh, for one of the shakes over there that was super wild. The guy had just dumb money in it. And, uh, when I first took it out, you know, that kind of horsepower creates a ton of heat. And um, I ran a single B-Cool that was a 20, let's see, it was a 27. I kind of, I, I have a hard time forgetting numbers. I, I forget a lot of other things, but you'll hear me spurt, spout up numbers. I, I don't know, I'm 
<laughs> sort of goofy like that. But the uh, the radiator was a 27 by uh, by 24, and then it was a two and a half inch wide. Uh, I think it was a three core. And then I had a dual fan on it with the shroud and the whole thing. Because if you don't run a shroud, you're retarded. So, yeah. or, or not intelligent. I shouldn't use that go. word. And uh, <laughs> so um, that, but that, that car, it just couldn't handle it. And it overheated. So I called the guys. They actually built us a custom radiator that fit across the rear down bars of the cage. And uh, it became quite a, quite a bit longer. It was like 34 or 36 inches. Uh, oh, wow. And then it was 29 inches. And then it was like four and a half inches thick. Jeez. And uh, that sucker ran at like 175, just hot enough to make sure that all the computer was happy. And it could be 100, I'm not joking. It could be 145, 150. And uh, that that car didn't overheat, run, you know, 7,500, 7,400 RPM. That thing never overheated. Wow. That's and, awesome. Uh, I, I, a friend of mine, Jimmy Day, has run the, uh, the Silver State oh. Classic a bunch of times. And I've wanted to do that. And the first thing he told me is get a cooler on everything. Differential, everything. power steering, everything you need a cooler for. Like, oh. Yep. So, yeah. hundred yeah. percent. And it's funny because just a little bit of that, extra heat you know it creates a little froth or you get parasitic drag or you get there's all these things that happen that make the system more uncomfortable and creates more heat and if anywhere that you can cut it out is it, you have to do it and so you know like my tranny coolers sometimes like i had a my truck, he, by tranny he means transmission that that tranny is politically incorrect so, transmission cooler, okay. <laughs> yeah, transmission cooler. Sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> for a transmission cooler, um, <laughs> the uh, I, I, some of mine looked more like you know small radiators than they looked like transmission coolers. Because and did you put a, did you put a, a, a pull fan on the transmission absolutely. cooler? You did. Absolutely. Okay. And like I, I had a seventeen hundred horsepower ninety two uh, two door Tahoe. And my friends all made fun of it because they thought it was just a beat up old ugly GMC, you know, two door full size blazer. And I was like, I love this thing. It's incredible. I made it so that the whole back of it would slide out. A little tent came over the top and there was already a bed built in. And I, I built all my own bumpers and, and side steps. My front and rear bumpers held water so that way I could shower off at the end of the night. My side tanks were actually air tanks so that I could deflate and inflate faster. That's super so cool. I, no, I had uh, so I did a lot of that. Then you know you run a nice like uh, a real nice ARB uh, dual piston air locker. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and that sucker was spectacular. So I'm I don't mean to sound like I'm advertising people because I'm not, but I I know the stuff that worked because we beat the ever living bejesus out of it in 140 150 degree weather, and you know jumping dunes that are anywhere between. 100 feet and 1,000 feet high, and when you face a six or 800-foot tall dune and you're blasting up at 1,700 horsepower, there's heat being made. <laughs> well, you, you've done it, and I love that the, the form follows function. Instead of having to have an auxiliary air tank for the lockers, you've got them built in into the bumpers to the receivers. That's I love that kind of stuff. My, my rock sliders on the sides, my side steps, those yeah. were my, all my air tanks, and that would also pressurize my bumpers so that 
in the evening, instead of having a stupid water trickle that would barely run out, I actually had pressurized water. So I would plug it into the back of the <laughs> of the deal, turn the valve on, and I had pressurized water to shower under. And in the, in the warmer weather, those black bumpers, they get pretty warm. So you're not taking a cold shower. It's not a terrible, shocking to your system setup. You actually have a warm shower. <laughs> yeah. So, one of the favorite well, things, one of my favorite things or features I've seen incorporated into a, a rear bumper receiver thing is uh, they have a, the, from the airlines, they brought up one of those little things. So you could put a, a frozen margarita. You put the blender up there and make frozen margaritas oh, off of that. that. Yeah, it was okay. pretty cool. No. That is brilliant, and uh, that may have to be on my new truck. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, there I'll, give, you go. I'll be like, yeah. So Jeff said, <laughs> bring it, bring it to Vegas. Bring That's it to right. Vegas we'll, and we'll see margaritas. Yeah. Well, margaritas yeah. right there. That's I love it. That's, <laughs> that's freaking rad. We'll just stand outside SEMA. <laughs> it's less expensive. Uh, that's amazing. But yeah. uh, so on another little crazy note, the things that we're doing now, uh, my friend Timothy Miller uh, used to have a, a car guy show. And um, he uh, he was a friend of mine through – a TV show I did with my friend Austin, which is actually how I met Austin. It's how I met Ariane. Uh, it's called Fireball Run. It's an Amazon series we did. And it was for, you know, cross-country rally, but we were mainly doing it to uh, help search for missing children. And so, you know, it was a really cool charity event. And we had a lot of fun. And mostly it's people that are fairly well-connected or fairly wealthy or whatever. And uh, we'd get together and do these crazy runs and crazy cars and a little bit Cannonball Run-esque. And uh, that was created by uh, JJ, our producer. And um, we had a lot of fun with it. But that uh, Tim came from that. And Tim has a project here in Dallas. It's, uh, it's called Motor City USA. And, um, or Motor City, whatever we're going to wind up using. And um, we are building a 300,000 to 500,000 square foot convention center uh, we already have the LOIs from the hotels, so we've got a couple hotels that are going in at the ends of it. We're building uh, entire uh, – there, there'll be a drive all the way around it, like a big oval, that you can cruise at nighttime. And on the outside perimeter is going to be shops all the way around so that, you know, if you're there with your wife or you're there with your significant other and you, they're not interested in cars and you want to do something car-themed, then they can go shopping or have a nice restaurant or whatever else that's there. And then now is this track around the perimeter, is it gonna be bank like Monza? No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> we are actually gonna have a track that'll be a proper racetrack, a road course, that'll that'll actually run the outside perimeter of the entire project. Uh, and that way, because I, I have a, a big racing background, so I don't want to build something and not be able to have all my friends out and go play with our, you know, silly toys. And then you got you got to have a, at least one or two parking lots that are dedicated for autocross. We are absolutely uh, we have two parking lots on either end that are 100% set to be autocross tracks <laughs> when we're doing that. We also have a um, um, one of our partners is bringing in a nine-screen drive-in theater, so oh, we'll wow. have a drive-in theater there. Uh, Jeez. Above the restaurants and the shops will be loft apartments and condominiums that you can either purchase or rent. So that'll be around the top edges. Um, and this is in Dallas? 
This will be in Dallas. Yeah, right now okay. we're making the decision. We're making the decision of what part of the Metroplex we're going to be in. Quite honestly, uh, we've had really good, you know, um, feedback from Frisco, and we've had really good feedback from Prosper. And right now, we're just now in the very early stages of maybe looking towards McKinney. Um, but we're basically building an automotive city. We want to have, uh, for lack of a better term, we want to have an automotive mecca. That is I love year-round. It. Just don't forget, cool. you, you got to have a Bucky's there and a Whataburger. Then you'll oh, be golden. God, that's amazing. Yes, we should right. definitely do that. And yeah. you know, right. um, my one of my friends is uh, John Caps. Uh, he's Ron Caps's brother. Oh. Uh, Ron is the you know the NHRA guy who's pretty spectacular and runs for Napa. Um, John is a very dear friend who also runs a lot of gas uh, dragsters and whatever and. He's a stunt guy also. He just did Ford uh, Ford versus Ferrari and a bunch of other stuff. Um, him and I have uh, coordinated back and forth uh, because of our friend Rich Minga, um, uh, that TV show Street Outlaws, off and on for the last few years. And um, John is coming in to help us, and um, he might be bringing in a few corporate sponsors to have uh, auto parts stores on location. That way, I mean, there's nothing like going to a car show and your car breaking, which happens fairly consistently because you're building these wild hot rods. And some of them are on a very a thin budget and some of them are on huge budgets. And I've seen all of them break. And uh, so if we're going to pull in one of these big corporate sponsors, I don't know who it'll wind up being, but maybe AutoZone, maybe Napa, maybe who knows what. But we want to have a, a large corporate um conglomerate there so we can have auto parts store on 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 the site also plus it's phenomenal for our race car guys when they're running the track and they break something or they need fluid or whatever they can go to a regular auto parts store and they're not paying track prices yeah you should hit up a a summit speedway or jegs uh because i know summit's got a place in sparks nevada and uh on uh, the midwest drags if anything broke on a on a vehicle you call up this this Super Secret Summit Midwest Drags number. They overnight you the part. Oh, we lost. That's oh, no. Yeah. oh, no, I'm yeah, back. I'm back. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, the, uh, that would be a freaking great idea. I love that. And uh, so, yeah, that might be our next one. Oh, yeah, yeah, very. There you go. It's okay. It, my dad is trying to call in probably to tell me he wants to know when the podcast is on <laughs> we're gonna try to get on i try to get on at the end of the night but it might be oh, late that's really I awesome i don't do any editing unfortunately oh, but I it just it. goes right on <laughs> that's amazing i love it that's freaking yeah. rad yeah. so um the 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 most exciting thing recently for us though has been tim introduced me to richard rollins and um, it's literally he is the only car show that my dad watches that's like a, you know, builder show or whatever, because he doesn't like all the arguing. And fight. my dad's an old Marine. He he doesn't like all the BS. So if they're arguing, fighting, throwing things, he doesn't want to hear it. It just sounds ridiculous to him. And him and I were never that way. I grew up building cars with dad. He was always pretty darn calm and straightforward and, you know, get yelled at for turning the flashlight the wrong way but it was never anything other than hey over here <laughs> you know yeah and, uh, and uh but you know i learned everything from pops for for cars and so my dad watches 
Richard's show, and that's the only one he actually likes. And then it was kind of serendipitous because Tim calls me. I was in L.A. doing meetings for uh, some upcoming films I've got. And Tim goes, hey, dude, can you be back here for this meeting? Um, I have uh, one of the Richard Rollins guys that's going to be there. And I was like, um, yeah, sure. I was assuming it was a producer of a show or whatever. I never dreamed it would actually be him. So that was pretty cool because I, you know, drove 22 hours back. And uh, I'm like 15 minutes late to the thing, so I'm driven straight through. <clears throat> and um, when I get there, it's Richard is the guy sitting at the table with Tim and uh, he turns around, we hit it off. He winds up being pretty much one of the coolest dudes I've literally ever talked to. And uh, we're a little bit wild together, which <laughs> is kind of entertaining. Um, we went live on something uh, the first night we hung out and we may or may not have had one or two beers and uh, tested his cinnamon tequila you know, just made sure it smelled nice. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and we wound up um, basically giving me a haircut with a particular apparatus that later his legal department thought we should no longer have streaming. But in that period of time that it was streaming, we had like a little over 4 million views in like 17 minutes. So <laughs> it was, it was, it was pretty wild. And then it kind of, I don't, I don't know exactly what he's going to wind up doing with us, but he so loves the project uh, with Motor City and Tim and all that. And him and I get along freaking crazy well. And he's kind of wild and crazy. And I'm, you know, sort of wild and crazy. And uh, I don't know. We may wind up doing some TV together and doing this project and maybe uh, have a restaurant or two. And um, we might bring a little shop into the middle of all of it. Who knows? We we Who knows? we have we have a lot that we've already discussed and verbally said yes to, but nothing's on paper yet. So I don't want to make any promises that are too excessive. But um, we have, uh, I think we've got a really cool chemistry, and he, I mean, who's a better fit for this big Dallas project than Richard? So mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of where that's coming in at. So we'll see. Right. <laughs> We're super excited. And uh, very cool. Love those guys. Well, I was thinking how I became friends with you on Facebook, and I realized it was probably Jeff Allen, because I know oh, he's had you on the Skidmark show. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize that till about one o'clock this morning. And I started listening to it. <laughs> so like, and uh, unfortunately, Jeff decided to move to New Mexico, yep. and, and uh, so he's not in Dallas now. He's gonna miss all this fun that you might be doing. Well, you never know. He might move back. You know, he's got a really yeah. cool car collection. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, he's uh, got one of the cars from Ford versus Ferrari. I think he's. I know he has one. He may have two. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, he's he's got a neat car collection. Oh, look at this. Yep. Yeah. That's the car. That's the GT40 that beat the Ferrari. It lives here in Boulder. Oh wow. So yeah. Oh, also my. in Boulder is the winningest Daytona Coupe ever. Uh, Shelby's personal little 260, little blue one with the beat up seat. That one lives here. And, um, and the GT40 prototype before it was even the GT40, the white one with the, the six, the eight Weber sticking at the yeah. back. Those four cars alone are like worth the, to, to go in, uh, the Shelby American Museum in Boulder. It's a, I, 
Wow. I'm, I'm going to have to come visit you, and we're going to have to check out that freaking place because that sounds amazing. Good well, I, Lord. We watched the movie with my nephew, and Drew said – he's asking questions throughout the movie. My brother's like, shh. Like, no, keep asking, keep on talking. We can. And then after the movie, do you want to go see that car? Well, what do you mean, Uncle Jeff? Would you like to see the, I got good. Would you like to see the car that beat Ferrari? And it's like, can we do that? It's like, ask your dad and we'll, we'll, we'll take you over there. So it was, it was pretty cool. We, he lasted about 15 minutes, but. Uh, That's to, awesome. It was very cool. Yeah. That wow. is so awesome. My, my older boy is a little bit more into cars. He's 15. He's got. His dream car is, because it's from a video game that he used to play when he was younger, but his dream car is a 2010 SS Camaro with a six-speed that's blue with white stripes. He knows exactly what he wants. And so I said, okay, we'll do that, buddy. I said, I'm going to tell you, I've been building cages for cars. I've got just shy of, I have 388 car crashes over 40 miles an hour. And I'm like, you know, if there's one thing I'm going to do, I, I build cages to protect other people and protect myself. There's no way I'm putting you in a car unless it's got a full cage in it. He goes, okay, that's awesome. So, great. So, I'm going to put him in a really nice 12-point cage. <laughs> exactly. That's his dream car. Yeah. yeah. Drew, Drew asked me what my dream car was, and it's it's the car that – it's the Ferrari that the Ford beats. He's like, well, well, it lost. It may have lost, but it's to me, it's the prettiest car in the world. Agreed. I, I agree. I, I think, you know, next to the XKE before they got the big, crazy, goofy American bumpers, but the, you know, the, the mid sixties XKE is probably my number one favorite, but then number two is probably exactly what you're talking about. I love that car. Yeah. The P3 uh, four, it's, it's gorgeous, but yeah, you're just like Enzo. The E-type is the most beautiful car ever. It, it, honestly, the, the lines are perfect. The car is perfect. It's, it's awful hard to beat that car in any direction. I mean, the the mid-year Corvette. Sorry, that's my sister that time. Um, <laughs> Very popular. I, uh, yes, uh, amongst my family. I'm a legend in my own time. Uh, <laughs> the uh, Anyway, hey, Austin. Yes, I know. My We got the Power Ranger over here who's lovingly waving to me. Well, you text my <laughs> Dad, I'm doing the podcast right now, and I can't be called because they've called repeatedly. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm not going to repeat what he said. So. Uh, he run off and morph into like a Transformer or I don't know what. It's um, a CarshowNationals.com exclusive that Jeff always says. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He's at the Red Power Rangers office. There you go. Yes. uh, Yes. Actually, here, I did this uh, before we were recording. This is one of my best friends. I'm here at his house. He's the original Red Power Ranger, Mr. Austin St. John. Wow. And he's also a complete clown, and I love him with all my heart. He's a great guy. He, he, after the Power Rangers, um, he went and became uh, EMT medic and oh, worked cool. in Washington, and then he went and worked for the DOD in Afghanistan. Oh, wow. Heck of a guy. Like, he's yeah. actually a real-life action hero. So. Right, right. <laughs> just like you are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and where, his stuff, I just pretend. His stuff where cool. can we get the uh, the Cord Newman action figure? Where, Is that online? Yeah. Where, 
Yeah, yeah, we need to work on that. It'll probably be like sort of melted and on fire in some way, and you know, it'll be a mess. <laughs> <laughs> How many bones? You said you've broken like every rib in your body. You've... I I I have broke every single rib at least once. Uh, both floater ribs have been dissolved because they've been broke off. Broke my tailbone. Um, I've got an eight and a half inch titanium plate and eight screws in uh, the tibia in my right leg. I uh, had my knee scoped on that side and put back together with a plastic kneecap. Um, I've had one hip cracked, uh, and I don't actually break easy, quite honestly, but uh, the the broken leg uh, I did in India, I did that, and I tore the left ventricle in my heart. It was the fastest head-on collision on camera, so it was one of the world records I've got. But um, wow. it, uh, I, I did 100 miles an hour into a five-ton military truck at 1 o'clock in the morning in Chennai, India. And uh, that's pretty wild. So I broke my leg in six places and tore the left ventricle in my heart. But I wouldn't let them make, let me, they, they tried to put me in the truck immediately and take me to the hospital, but I needed to see playback to make sure it looked cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the ego, isn't it? As long as it looks cool, yeah, we're good. We're good. We're my, good. My ego will fit into any room as long as it's open. <laughs> Did you, is it true you worked on Jackass? Yeah, 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 I did a bunch of jackass. I did one uh, of my favorite things. Johnny Knoxville gets shot with those uh, the terrorist things from in front of the building, whatever. The, he and the three guys, or the two other guys, and uh, he yeah. walked up to camera. Are we good here? Then we're all good, and walks away. I uh, it it yeah. He's he's, yeah, he's that. Honestly, Johnny is one of the coolest, nicest human beings on the planet. I I worked with him again on on Dukes of Hazard years later, and. Uh, just a really, really spectacular dude. Steve-O is really, really cool. Um, unfortunately, when Ryan passed away uh, from that Porsche accident, people were a little bit stupid on the internet. Same thing with Paul Walker. When Paul died, people got dumb because they don't understand our industry and they think that everybody just drives <coughs> psycho. Well, that Porsche, the, the Porsche, those were original tires on that GT. Yeah, the, the tires are harder to that. rock. Yeah, there's a lot more to that story than that, too. Porsche had a lot of problems that I know that I am uh, not at liberty to talk about. But they, um, that car was the problem. Uh, Roger was a spectacular driver. Paul was actually an incredibly good driver. And was Paul was actually probably one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. I mean, hell with mm -hmm. whether or not he was famous. He was just genuinely one of the nicest humans you could ever be around. And he, the reason he was even at his, because him and Roger had that shop together and uh, he had gone for his charity at, for an event that day. And Roger had been uh, tinkering with that Porsche working on one of its issues. And um, so it, it was a super tragic moment. And, um, and that happened right those, up in Valencia, close to where your buddy was shooting Power Rangers, because I used to work on, on Jag up there. My car worked on Jag, which was right oh, across the parking lot from the yep. from Saban or uh, the Power Rangers right next door. Yep, yeah. that's absolutely right. Yeah, it all happened right there. And, you know, it's it's probably not it's it's crazy because it's such a it's such a crossover between the car world and the film world uh, when we all lost Paul, because he was a true car guy, like, you know. I'm not a huge import fan, but I definitely respect the, the, the groups because I understand, you know, customizing a car, I don't care if it's a moped 
all the way to Pagani, it's you're you're creating your image and your essence and the thing that you love. So I have a ton of respect for anybody that modifies or works on or tinkers with, or I really don't care. Plus, there's just such a beautiful way to become friends differently than you would in any other aspect. I mean, you can work with somebody for 20 years and then you go sit at their house and do a break job and you're buddies for life. You know, it, it's right. car, car guys, car girls, we're, we're a very different breed, but for the most part, you know, I would say 99% of us, we're there to help each other. We're there to try to make things better. We're there to try to, you know, lend our crazy ideas, whether they're, whether they're right or founded, doesn't really matter, but <laughs> if they but sound no, exciting. But being a car guy or car girl, there's that, there, there's that intrinsic interest there. I dated a girl right. years ago. Her dad owned an insert stage, and there was a black Mercedes parked in front of this stage all day. Nobody walked up to it. Two in the morning, she's locking the door. The guy walks up to her. She's like, don't talk to him. And before she could get that out, I'm like, hey, man, what's up with this thing? Turned out it was John Frankenheimer, the director of Reindeer Games. He spent 45 <laughs> minutes with me telling me all about this car, and he had fired four or five people that day. People were, were terrible. I didn't know who he was. It's like, dude, what's up with this car? And 45 minutes at 2.30 in the morning, it, it was yep. yeah, the, my John Frankenheimer story. So, yeah. I, but that's true. I mean, uh, cars for me have, have changed my life so many times it's not even funny because I went from growing up building Corvettes and street rods with my dad. And, um, I mean, I can tell kind of crazy stories like – my dad is the first person to do square headlights in a C3 Corvette. He took the mold out of a Monza, right? He took the mold out of a Monza using the square headlights that were in the Monzas, yeah. and uh, he made it fit the Corvette, and then he made a mold of that, and he built that on a 69 front end that he had glued onto a 69 rear, oh, I'm sorry, into a, a 63 split window rear clip. So two totally different body styles. And he molded them together, flared the wheel wells like crazy, did those square headlights in the front, and uh, had a 427 in it with a four-speed, and uh, painted it pearl white with these blue pearl flames all over it, and then took it to a car show in Oceanside. And the guy that was starting Ecklerts at the time, which was a paper magazine out of the back of his trunk, told my dad, holy crap, that's amazing. Let me put those in my mag. And dad's like, yeah, sure, no problem. Come down to the shop. You can take them. Dad's just very trusting, very nice guy. Um, probably not as trusting anymore, but they came down, did all the measurements, loved it. And uh, then it was in Eckler's. And dad stole his idea and made all the money. And then Eckler's charges you $29.95 to ship anything. Yep. And, uh, but, you know, who knows? I mean, back in the day, you never know whatever happened. I'm not saying anything bad about Eckler's. I Your dad was Corvette Summer that. before Corvette Summer Corvette was around. That's absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely right. And, I mean, he, his, he chopped the top on a 68 Camaro, uh, which already has a, ro a low roof line, not to mention the amount of compound curves in that thing is a big pain in the butt. But um, he, uh, he chopped the top six inches on a 68 Camaro. Wow. And, uh, and then did a really wild flared wheel well thing. And he did a lot of really crazy, innovative stuff and um, yeah. had a lot of influence in different places that, you know, may never get recognized, probably won't, but it's pretty cool to, you know, have that as the guy that I learned from growing up. And, uh, 
you know, so it was it was neat because I learned how to chop tops really young. I learned how to suicide doors and do custom paintwork and airbrush and build chassis and put motors together. And, you know, we were doing that when I was basically born. And, you know, I I clipped my first vehicle, which was a little S10 Blazer that had been rolled. And my dad's like, well, do you think you can do it? And so I cut the windshield post, staggered those, cut it across the floor pan, um, measured the door lines out, measured the windshield frame out, put the other clip on. I was 12. And, wow. Uh, I, That's I, fantastic. I so, I mean, you know, I, it's yeah. it's been really cool growing up with Pop. And then I got really lucky in the stunt world and then I and met some outstanding people who made a big effort to help my life out. And then... You literally um, kicked in the door to the stunt world, and uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I was thinking the same thing, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. And then in the financial, the financial world, going into Dubai, I became very, very close with Reza Dari, and uh, his bank was the number one ultra high net worth private investment bank in the Middle East for five years, and now he's uh, my business partner, and we are the ones that are helping with putting together the financing for. Motor City, and then we have Project Texas, and we have Project Hourglass. Um, Project Hourglass is a lot like taking all of the major platforms that are currently in existence, rolling them all into one, and then paying you to do them. So we would have everything from YouTube to Facebook to Netflix, Amazon, eBay, all of it, all in one location, and then be able to pay you to watch it. And uh, we've got a we're, we're quite a ways down the road on that one, and that'll be coming in to find a headquarters here in Dallas also. So um, we're pretty excited about that project. And then um, we have a virtual studio project we're doing with our friends that just bought the Johnny Cash Ranch. So we're putting that together. We've got a lot of things going on that are really exciting, and um, obviously the Motor City thing is probably the most for me, because awesome. it's all correlated. Where can our viewers at home find out more about you? Instagram or, uh, or yeah, do you have well, a YouTube you or type, Facebook? or? You can type my name into Google, and there's a bunch of stuff. And then uh, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, of course. Uh, just type in Cord Newman, and it'll it'll all come up, good, bad, and indifferent. And, uh, <laughs> there you go. We'll give him a follow on Instagram. Check him out on Facebook. And uh, thanks yeah, so much for coming guys. on the uh, carshownationals.com, Cord. We appreciate it. Yeah, hey, that's man, crazy. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, you got hey, a lot going way, on. Here, guys, say hi to my beautiful bride. This is Hello, hi. beautiful bride. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. How was the barbecue oh, pizza? You, yeah. <laughs> How was the barbecue pizza? chicken pizza? <laughs> <laughs> I got yeah. roped in. She got roped in. For <laughs> roped in. <laughs> yeah, we in. want you to come back. On, we want you to come back on another yeah. show and. And we want to ask your buddy about what's in the uh, what's in that safe over there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, funny. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's, That's where awesome. he keeps all the gimp. Right, thank yeah, you thanks for trying, Cord. Yes, guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. God bless. Take care. We'll talk to you soon.